We are back in the book of John, and we are reading today from John chapter 6, verses 60 through 71, as we finish chapter 6 today. Um, You can find this printed in your bulletins, or you can use your Bibles as well. This is the Word of God. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him or granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. And we have believed, and we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have revealed spiritual things to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that those of us who can read these words and not just understand them with our brains, but also believe in them, it is only because you have produced in us new life in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, new birth. And we thank you, Lord, that you have revealed this to us and to many generations before us and generations that are coming ahead of us so that we might believe that our Lord Jesus is the Lord and through him be saved. May you produce faith in our hearts For those of us who have already believed because of the power of the Holy Spirit to grow in our faith and to be nourished, and may you send the Holy Spirit to those who are hearing this, maybe for the first time or maybe after many times and have not yet believed, so that they may have the power to believe in Jesus for salvation. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The word gospel, 
comes from the Greek word evangelion, in Spanish, evangelio. You see how close it is, Spanish to Greek? Evangelio, evangelion. And the meaning of it is good news, good news. And that phrase is self-explanatory. You don't have to say much about that. It's just good news, something good that somebody is reporting to you. And what does good news produce in people's lives or in you when you hear them? Good news will produce or will result in joy, happiness, encouragement, peace. Those are among the emotions that we have when we hear good news. Whatever good news we're hearing, these things come into our hearts and our minds because we are hearing good news. So you don't expect people to be sad or to be angry or to be mad or to be discouraged by hearing good news, right? You won't expect that, but you will expect that people who hear bad news, when we have heard bad news, we get discouraged, we get sad, we get upset maybe with the person that is reporting us the good news even though he's just a bearer of bad news. But no, when we hear good news. Yet, we know from what we just read today and from what you have seen in Jesus' ministry and when, from what you have seen in the history of the church, maybe in your own experience, that you have shared good news the good news of the gospel, the evangelion, the evangelio, with people, and people have gotten upset. People get angry. People get discouraged, disappointed when they hear good news. And that's what we have seen or we're seeing or we are seeing through these verses. Jesus has been doing signs and people are following him because they have seen that he has unique power and also his words are unique. But as soon as Jesus starts to go deep and deep and deep to make the good news more clear to them or to unpack the good news, people are not happy. People get discouraged. People abandon Jesus. Because they hear good news. So that's what we are looking at today. And there are two points for uh, the message that I have for us today from these verses. Actually, I, I'd never like to take credit for something that I didn't do by myself. Therefore, I can share that I was having a conversation with a very good friend from Texas um, and we were just talking about this passage together and, and going back and forth. We were coming up together with the outlines of these two points. And these two points, so if you don't like them, you blame me and blame somebody in Texas who you know because he was around us for a while. Um, the two points are tempted to leave, nowhere to go. It's the second point. Tempted to leave. Nowhere to go. So let's start by reading or by looking at verses 60 through 65 and think about tempted to leave, the temptation to leave. Jesus called his 12 disciples, 
call him, call them himself, follow me, they follow Jesus. And Jesus started to preach the good news. Remember, if you read Mark 1.15, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. That's the inauguration of Jesus' ministry. Jesus going out to tell people that the kingdom of God has come because he came, he's the king. And what people needed to do in response to the kingdom coming was they needed to repent and believe in the good news. And in order to prove his authority to, to say those words and, and to prove his message as a message coming from God, Jesus performed many, many miracles, signs. The purpose of the signs were to point people to Christ's divine nature, that they will see Christ as the Messiah, as God who will provide for them salvation. And in fact, a lot of people followed Jesus. They were following him. We saw at the beginning of this chapter that people were following him because he had performed signs on the sick, many people with illness. And if you remember, the heart of this chapter is in connection with him multiplying bread and fishes and people being fed by Jesus. People were following Jesus because they saw these signs. But again, Jesus is explaining what is the nature of that miracle and what is the purpose of that miracle. And and if you remember, the main point was that he did that miracle as a metaphor for the real message. And the message was that he was the bread of life. The bread that came down from heaven. That he could satisfy or calm the hunger and thirst of people if people come to him and believe in him. If people eat that bread, they will be satisfied forever. And Jesus is explaining to them the gospel, who he is, why he came, and how they were supposed to respond to his coming. But people were confused. People were having a hard time understanding Jesus and making a, a distinction between the metaphor, something material, and the spiritual message that Jesus was trying to communicate to them. And we, we've gone through all the things that he has taught, and we come to this point where many of his disciple, disciples who heard all what he has said first to the crowd outside, then to the crowd on the other side of the sea, then in the synagogue, after they heard all these things, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? What was hard? What was so challenging that they were having a hard time even to listen to it. When they say, who can listen to it? It's like, I cannot even bear hearing the things that I'm hearing from Jesus. And if you remember, at least I can mention three of the things that were very hard for them to, to take on. Because after he said those things, people grumble. That he was the heaven that came down from, the, he was the bread that came down from heaven. And they grumble. They say, we know 
that Jesus is the son of Joseph and Mary? How is it that he's now saying that he came down from heaven? We know his parents. We know Jesus when he was playing around and as a little kid. Now he's an adult. We know him. How is it that he's now saying that he came from another world or from heaven, from the sky? Another difficult thing for them to understand and to take on is that Jesus was saying that no one can come to Jesus unless the Father compel him to come. This was not just a hard saying for them, but this has been a hard saying for the Christian church throughout generations. Because basically what Jesus was saying there is that God is the one who decides who is coming to Jesus. And people don't like to hear that. People want to be in charge and be the ones who decide, I come to Jesus or I reject Jesus. People like their free will, that they can come if they want, or they don't come if they don't want to. But Jesus says, unless the Father compelled you to come, you cannot come to Jesus. Therefore, that was a hard saying. In fact, for the Jews, Jesus was telling them that God is God the Father is the one who brings them to him. Basically, he is the center of everything. This is a hard saying. They were saying. And then we get to the point when Jesus tells them that he is the bread of life. And in order to be saved, you have to eat his flesh and drink his blood. That's too much. Right? How can this man be saying to us, they said, that we need to eat now his flesh? Would you think that they really didn't understand that Jesus was talking about something spiritual? Or they were using that maybe as a sarcasm? Probably like Nicodemus when he's saying to Jesus, can a man be born again? Can a man enter into, the, into his mother's womb? I don't think that Nicodemus was really thinking that that could be possible. He was challenging Jesus in what he was saying. What do you mean, Jesus? This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? They were saying. And Jesus knowing in himself, which I think means that Jesus, through the Spirit, because he is all-knowing, he knew who believed and who would not believe, we know that from verse 64, but there are some who, some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning those who were, those were who did not believe and who it was who will betray him. Jesus, knowing that in his heart, knowing that his disciples were grumbling, said to them, do you take offense? This is, I don't know why uh, translators of the ESV will use the word offense here. Because there is a Greek word that is closer to the English word that we use. is the word escandalizo. Right? Scandal. In Spanish, escandalo. I think that they should have used that word. Because what Jesus were, was saying is, are you scandalized by this? 
It is more like taking a personal offense. It is that Jesus, were say, Jesus was saying things that for, for many of them were blasphemy. How can you say this? We don't eat medium well meat, steaks. We don't eat blood. Now you're telling us that we have to eat your flesh and drink your blood. Medium rare, I would say. Do you take offenses more? Are you scandalized by what I have just told you? Is this too difficult for you to take? Then Jesus, again, <laughs> I love it. It's like he's not trying to make things easier for them in a sense. Now I'm going to tell you something. I didn't mean that. This is what he meant. I'm going to make it easier for you to understand. Know that he's not trying them to understand, but Jesus is telling them the truth. Then he says, then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? So if you were scandalized by this, if you were offended by this, what if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? I don't know about you, but it took for me some time to understand why is Jesus making that comparison? Why, why would they be scandalized by, by what Jesus is saying here, that he will ascend to where he was before? I mean, they were scandalized because Jesus was saying that he came down from heaven, and you might think that, oh, he's reaffirming that. But what Jesus is saying here is something even greater. Because before Jesus ascended to heaven, where he was before, remember that he had to go to the cross. In other words, what Jesus was saying to them is, what if I tell you that, uh, that the Messiah has to die on the cross? If you are scandalized by hearing that I came down from heaven and that you have to eat the flesh of the Son and drink the blood, what if you know that the Messiah has to go to the, to the cross, the place of course, because anyone who eats, anyone who dies on the cross will be cursed. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.23, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to Gentiles. Why was a stumbling block for, for the Jews? Because to think that their Messiah, their Savior, God himself took flesh and then died on the cross, it was a scandal. Now you, you see why Jesus is saying this. Do you take offense by this? Are you scandalized by this? Now think about what I'm telling you. This is what the Son of Man has to go through. Before I go up from where I was before, I have to die on the cross. Now who, who could understand what Jesus was saying. Who can listen to this? This is a hard saying. Who can listen to this? Jesus answered that question in verse 63. He says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help 
at all. Remember Nicodemus? You cannot see the kingdom of God. You cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you are born again. Unless you are born of the Spirit. It's the Spirit who gives life. That's how you can understand what I'm telling you and not to be scandalized or to go away from me or to be tempted to leave. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Now, if you go down to verse 65, Jesus reaffirmed what he says in verse 63 there. And he said, this is why I told you, you cannot come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. The world is going to be scandalized by the message of the gospel. It won't make sense for a lot of people. And some people will take offense. They will feel this that you are saying does not make any sense. That somebody who died 2,000 years ago on a cross can save me. Um, Often, I don't know if you've done this, when I'm going to share the gospel with a person, I'm trying to figure out what is the thing that I have to say in order to be more effective to convince that person and so that that person could believe in the message of the gospel. But the truth is that there is no rational argument that can change a heart if it's not the Holy Spirit that is coming to the heart and changing that heart. I'm not saying that we should not use our reason. I'm not saying that we should not use apologetics to defend the message of the gospel. I'm saying that you can use all of them with an individual, but unless the Father grant that person the Holy Spirit, that person will not be able to understand these things. Therefore, when you have that person in front of you who is refusing to hear and and accept the gospel, you should see that what is happening there, that unless the Holy Spirit changes that heart, that person will not come to faith in Jesus. Therefore, that should encourage you to pray and to keep trying and to keep praying because, because it is not to the individual, it is not to you, it is up to God who grants the power of the Holy Spirit to that person to believe, who grants new life in Christ. Tempted to live. People were tempted to leave Jesus because of what Jesus was saying. Tempted to live because Jesus was telling them good news. Remember that in the context of drink my blood, eat my flesh, and the bread of life, I came down from heaven. He's saying you will have eternal life. Will you not take that part and say, yes, I, I know that the rest is confusing, but I want eternal life. Not that easy, right? Because unless the Father grant you faith to believe, you will not see the kingdom of God. You will not enter into the kingdom of God. You will be tempted to live, and many will live. And many live and actually come back later. 
How many times? I don't know if that's your case, but I have heard the testimony of people heard the gospel again and again and again and again and again and again until one time by themselves they remember those words. In the middle of a crisis, it's a miracle. Only God can do that. Now, nowhere to go. Nowhere to go. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walk with him. You see, first they are struggling to understand and accept Jesus' words. Then Jesus says what he says in these verses, and you say, man, but Jesus doesn't make things easier for people. Now, the result is that people are leaving. You might think, right? We don't think that because we already saw why they left. They left because Jesus knew from the beginning From the beginning of what? From the beginning of the foundation of the world. Who will believe because they were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. But many of his disciples left. In fact, this you could translate it as well as after this, many, rather for this reason, many left. They heard this. They heard what Jesus added to to his message. And they say, I'm out of here. I cannot keep following Jesus because this message is too hard. Now Jesus turned to his disciples and says, do you want to go away as well? You see the people leaving. You see, it took a long time for Jesus to get that crowd some work of preaching, miracles, and then people started to leave. Remember that there was that conversation of John's disciples saying, he's making more disciples than you, and now all these people leaving, they might have been tempted to leave. But where they will go? That's the question, right? If they leave Jesus, who they have seen doing the signs of God, even Nicodemus and the people that were with him, we, we know that you come from God because only you have done the signs that you are able to do. If they have seen that, and if they have heard the message, even though it's so difficult to digest and understand, and not completely clear at this moment because they will have to go through Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection to understand all what Jesus has said, where would they go? And then we have these wonderful words. I think I read it once in one commentary that this is the greatest confession that somebody has ever said. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. What were the words of eternal life? Eat my flesh, drink my blood. I came down from heaven. If you believe, you will have eternal life. Still difficult to understand, but Peter, because of the work of the Spirit who gives lives in his heart, was able to know that Jesus' words were words of eternal life. And that he had already heard the Pharisees. And they didn't have words of eternal life. 
He probably heard somebody else preaching and teaching some other doctrines. And they didn't have words of eternal life. Only Jesus had words of eternal life. Only Jesus provided for Peter real eternal hope. Peter understood that. Therefore, he knew that there was no other way or no other place he could go or he should go. Why? Because he has understood what he says afterwards. He says, we have believed and have come to know. Now we know from all what we have heard and we have seen that you are the Holy One of God. You are the Holy One of God, the one who has been set apart by God. You are the Messiah. You are the Savior. You are the only one. Remember that the crowd wanted to make Jesus a king by force before because they thought he is that prophet, which means that he is the one who was promised by Moses. Quickly they forgot when the message became more difficult. But even in the middle of all this challenging time to understand Jesus' words and wondering who can listen to this, Peter knew that there was no other place that he should go because only Jesus had words of eternal life because he is the chosen one of God to be the Savior of the world. Should you praise Peter? Yes, Peter, you did well. I can see you have good faith. Maybe, maybe Jesus will have said, good job, Peter. That's what I wanted to hear. Actually, all what, Jesus, what Peter said here is truth. So Jesus could have said, you're right. You don't have another place to go. I am the only one who has words of eternal life. I am the Holy One of God. You're right. I'm confirming what you're saying. You, you are in the right path. No, <laughs> that wasn't what Jesus said. Jesus said, did I not choose you, the 12? <laughs> He's saying, the only reason you can say these things is actually because I choose you. It is because I knew from the beginning... When he said, I knew who is not going to believe, but I knew who will believe because I have chosen those who will believe. It is not because you are a godly man who understand very well, and that is why you follow me. It is because I choose you. It is because the glory is my glory, Jesus is saying to Peter. You don't have credit here. Peter, I choose you. That's why you believe. And among them, there was Judas, who will betray Jesus. Now, I think that, again, the gospel, when it's proclaimed, will divide the world. Right? It's good news that divide the world. You might think that good news will bring the world world together. Why? Because everybody wants to hear good news. But it's only going to be good news to those whom the Holy Spirit reveal 
spiritual things. And therefore, they will be able to understand Jesus' words, Jesus' message, that only Jesus has eternal life. I think that that should make us humble, remembering, as I was sharing with a small group this morning, when we look at Nicodemus' story, remembering that the only reason why you can be here today, reading God's word, trusting in Jesus, is just because of God's grace. Because God chose you and compelled you to come to Jesus. Because his words are hard saying for many. But that should make you see the world that don't know Jesus with different eyes because you know that it's not because you are better than anybody, but it's only because of God's grace. And we all have been sent into the world to be the aroma of Christ to those who are being saved and to those who are perishing. May God help us to love our neighbors. May God help us to bring this good news. May God help us not to be afraid because we understand that some people will not welcome this good news, that we will have no fear to share the gospel and to trust in Jesus and God for the results. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and grace. We thank you that you have giving us the gift to understand spiritual things through the power of the Holy Spirit, to understand the gospel, the good news, that only you have words of eternal life. But we pray, Lord, for anyone here in this room, anywhere, that is hearing this good news and have heard this good news. We pray that you may give them eyes to see the gospel, that they might see the kingdom of God and enter into the kingdom of God by your power. We give you all glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.